It's time to set sail on another episode of Unconstitutional Awakening, the podcast. I'm your host, Jim Bob Ovalshorts, and tonight I've got a very special treat planned for each and every one of you out there watching and listening. I have gotten lucky enough to score the co-founder of the Free Thought Project and creator of Policing the Police, Jason Bassler. He's somebody I'm pretty sure each and every one of us have been in the comment section of or following for years since the beginning of the Liberty Movement. Heck, since before the beginning of the Liberty Movement, he's somewhat of an inspiration to very many of us out here, and I feel honored to have him joining us for the show. Um, tonight, we have Bandit, Ox, and our good buddy and show friend, Stephen, coming back to join us for this conversation. You know, this is uh, this is something I've been looking forward to for a little while now since I got it scheduled. So I am ecstatic that it's finally here and we finally get to have this conversation. And I, I believe these these conversations that we have here on this show do a lot for showing that we can bring people together from all different kinds of walks of life. You know, that's kind of the goal around here in some of these things. So but as per usual, you guys, everybody that's out there doing their thing. You know, you guys can always hop over to unconstitutionalawakening.com to get all the great, you know, clips and show information and links and stuff that I share during episodes all right back here on the website, as well as ways to get back to watch, listen to and support the show that we do for you guys out here. There's also ways to get back to all your favorite hosts, social medias, so you can keep up with what they got going on. There's links in here for Rumble, Odyssey, and BitChute, which we appreciate you guys very, very much for supporting us over there, man. There's, there is over 10,000 views on each one of those apps now, so that in itself is pretty admiring, and I appreciate you guys out there showing the love to us and keeping us going as, the, as your number one podcast source here. And then everybody out there in the listening world, man, there's tons of apps for all of it. So we do appreciate each and every one of you, regardless of where you are in the world and what app you're using. Thank you for supporting Unconstitutional Awakening, the podcast. You can also listen while you're there. There's totally a, a on, on-screen box to listen to things. You can also get to the links to get you some sweet Unconstitutional Awakening merch, as well as check out our friends in Liberty, Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., 
PGT Creations, Ammo Can Survival, and Brett Pike with ClassicalLearner.com and Homeschools Connected. As well as we've been doing some stuff with Jason Kristoff, so you guys know I've been putting links in for that, you know, moving forward with that kind of stuff because, hey, we're, we're all about spreading the love and making sure we can help change some people's lives in this liberty movement one way or the other. And, you know, we've actually picked ourselves up a brand new sponsor or, you know, Friend in Liberty also doing some some good things. They're making CBD pet products. Um, if you guys hop on over there to purepetwellness.com and use the and use the code PLUNDER, you'll get 20% off your order over there too. We've actually got some uh, percent off codes with each one of our guests or each one of our um, show sponsors liberty friends and liberty however you want to refer to them as uh and if you use the codes that are included with the links on these episodes you guys can get you a discount on stuff when you go over there and you know get from these folks and that's because we're all just trying to help each other out man we're trying to find ways to produce a better tomorrow and the, all these guys are offering the stuff for a better tomorrow and that's the kind of folks I like to support, man. It's better than any of these giant corporations and things like that. But I have high hopes for tonight's episode. You know, uh, talking to Jason, Jason, he seems to be passive yet charismatic. And, you know, again, he's a big inspiration for not only me, but for a lot of people in the Liberty Movement. So this is going to be an honor. So I guess, I guess everyone, it's time to set sail on this episode and just uh, hop on into it. So let's get to it. Good evening, everyone. And of course, you can see I've got Bandit and Ox joining me tonight. And as you can see, I have, I mean, I'm sure everybody might know him, might not know him. A conversation prior to the show beginning, Stephen made it known, an interesting fact. But like, this is Mr. Jason Bassler. This, he is the co-founder of Free Thought, the, Free, the Free Thought Project and founder of Policing the Police. He has been the forefront of like meme world for a lot of us. Come on, we can all we can all probably say we've liked one of their one of his memes or responded in the comment section to something he shared or got passionate or about them. Yeah, got <laughs> shared them or got passionate about something that he was sharing because you know, I've, as a big fan of policing the police, you know, I've I people hear it time and time on getting on here on the show that, you know, like, Hey, they need to be held accountable just like everybody else does. And that you've always been inspirational to me with all of that. And I know it, I'm not trying to speak for everybody here, but like you are, I, I was a little, little nervous getting to actually you, you responded and I got to actually get to have you on my show, sir. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, dang, man, I'm, I'm, this guy's above my league. I'm just some goofy guy in a pirate hat. And here we are. So thank you, sir, for joining us so much. And of course, Steven too, but I appreciate you hopping on this episode. I do want to give you some credit. You guys are familiar with that face because he pops in uh, here thanks. from time to time with us. So thanks good for letting me harass y'all once more. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. So, so Jason, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and uh, appreciate you guys in inviting me on here. Um, I appreciate all the support as well. And, you know, it feels a little funny. I'm just a guy, you know, posts stuff on the internet. So, but I get it. I totally get it. I certainly fanboy over certain people that um, I've appreciated their work over the years. And, um, and also, hey, don't worry about getting the name a little jumbled up there. Everybody does for some reason. It's kind of a tongue twister, even Maj Ture, who we were interviewing this morning for our podcast, got it right a couple, or caught it wrong a couple of times. So uh, no worries on that. It happens all the time. 
But uh, yeah, things are good here, man. As I just mentioned, had a, a great interview with Maj and uh, I think it's going to be a really powerful one once it's finalized and published. So that's, that's totally payback because I was a guest yesterday on another show and she totally got my name wrong. So I guess it was, <laughs> it was, it was my little karma to get back there. It, I will be the first to admit and familiar listeners with my show will know that I am the quickest person to unintentionally butcher a name. So my bad like it, it it does oh i'm sorry that's embarrassing anyhow yeah. so so consistency you know, is key you know i gotta i, I guess I, I don't know you know i'm just gonna go back with it because i want folks at home that maybe not might not be familiar with you or maybe not might not even know about things that i'm i'm fanboying fanboying over myself which is what got you started in all this, man? Like where, where, what brought you to the, what I call the Liberty world? Like, sure. Yeah. I, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, yeah. So I grew up in the Bay area. I feel like I always had like counterculture activism in my blood, even in the early years, like in junior high, high school, I skateboarder kind of skater punk kind of guy. And uh, I was doing stuff in my area, trying to rally to get some kind of skate parks or something going on because uh, there wasn't a lot of places for us to you know, exercise that type of activity, that type of sport. Uh, so it goes way back for me. I was doing the Iraq war protests in like the early 2000s when all that was going on. But somewhere around Occupy Wall Street, um, I realized that, hey, like I haven't been really paying attention to this whole world. I don't really know or understand my own beliefs and ideology. And look, I have the internet right here at my fingertips, like in the age of information, ignorance is a choice, right? So um, it, was, it was, the catalyst was mostly the Occupy Wall Street movement, but that kind of lit a fire in a few different ways. Um, one being, I saw all the police brutality during the protests um, some of the people that were being mistreated and brutalized were people that looked like me that were younger, uh, you know, at the time younger, uh, and older people. It was like a wide variety and array of people who were standing up for their rights or protesting that the big banks, all the collusion after the 0708, um, you know, financial crisis and everything. And so it kind of triggered something inside of me and yeah, I got triggered. Right. But, um, I realized I had something, I had to do something. I had to get involved. I didn't know exactly what that was or what that looked like. Um, around that same time, I found the Ron Paul revolution and Ron Paul was, you know, trying to uh, be a presidential candidate at that time. So I kind of linked forces with a, a few activism um, communities in my area and uh, a few activists in my area. And that kind of led off, started the whole adventure. That's pretty much what kicked off, like going into the Liberty, wor Liberty world, like understanding my own principles, my own philosophy. And at that time, I was doing a lot of uh, in real life protests. I was doing like banner hangs. I was doing a bunch of stuff. But I kind of realized that I could reach a lot more people and draw a lot more attention to these causes by making posts online. And at that time, I'd only had like a Tumblr account and maybe like a Facebook account. But I just decided to start posting regularly and it made sense. Like I could reach thousands more people online than I could standing on a street corner with a sign, you know? So that pretty much is what started it off, what kicked it off, what got me into this whole world. Um, that was somewhere around 2012, 2013. Uh, we started the Free Thought Project, Matt Agaris and myself. I am the co-founder, as you had mentioned. Thanks for pointing that out. And uh, 
yeah, immediately we had a bunch of success. We were reaching millions of people. Um, I think we were in the top 250 websites in the country, believe it or not. Uh, I know it sounds crazy, but there was a lot of demand for libertarian-flavored police accountability information and news. And that was our kind of main focus and target at the time. Um, of course, that you know was going wonderful for about three years. We were reaching millions of people. It sounds like maybe some of you guys were also following us during that time. Um, oh, yes. There were weeks when we were reaching an upwards of like 30 to 40 million people a week. We were bringing in like 20 to 30,000 new fans a week. So like we were thriving. The ball was, oh, sorry, I got some UPS. Uh, we were just, we were doing great. So um, fast forward to 2018, uh, big tech, Facebook and Twitter both took us down uh, on the same day in October, 2018, resulting in a loss of nearly 6 million fans. Um, so we've been kind of trying to pick up the pieces since then. It's been difficult. Um, the scene has changed quite a bit. The Liberty movement's changed quite a bit with the whole influx of the MAGA, you know, Trump camp. And then of course with COVID and like the whole medical, uh, you know, the Liberty chaos. side of things yeah. yeah, as well. So, I mean, there's a bunch of people who've kind of came up the market's been a little more saturated and we've certainly had a hard time kind of regaining our footing in the current environment. But uh, I still feel like we're being effective. At, you know, we might not have the same views, the same amount of clicks and likes and stuff, but I feel like we're probably producing some of our best work now than we ever have. So, yeah, you know, I can, I can take to heart there a lot of what you said, you know, like we, I've, I've been in the same market you know, doing the same kind of thing for quite some time. I had some early pages back on the Facebook days where I was, I would share like attractive men and men and women with factual information or go look up, basically go look up Waco or whatever with a chick sitting there with her boobs hanging out because I, I understood the propaganda idea of how sex sells and such. And I, I too have gone through, handfuls of pages like as far as like facebook on a who i am account i'm on like my 20 something account and oh, wow and it's gotten to the point now where i'm just like no i want i want i want to actually hear it's a joke i always tell but i want to hear mark zuckerberg say jim bob oval shorts because i think it's hilarious since, <laughs> it's, since it's the made-up name that i had to resort to because at the first time i got like device band and then like my name just couldn't be every time i'd put it back in they'd be like oh you're you're banned and i'm just like well, what the hell so i started riding with something else and i grew from there from just memes to playing around on tiktok with videos and stuff and i ended up the whole podcast thing started popping out of nowhere and i was doing one with someone else actually and they were like you should totally start one yourself instead of just co-hosting with me and i was like why not i'll give it a jump and we've had a blast since then i think there's a there's a new range of audience to reach in this world. And I keep meeting so many amazing people. And the funny thing about it is, is that if you really get down to the bottom to, of it, man, like the reality is many of them were inspired by you. Man. Like, I just, I got to be true with it. I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there listening are just like, whoa, dude. everybody I've talked to about my excitement on the side about having you on and stuff. They've just been like, man, you, good job, sir. Like, how did you pull that one off? I was like, I really don't know. I just messaged him and he messaged me back. Like I was excited too. So sure. You know, yeah, you've, been, not, you've, you've inspired a lot of folks, though, just being vocal about this kind of stuff. And no, I appreciate that. <clears throat> That's the kind of stuff that uh, keeps me going. You know, I need to hear that. And I, I very much appreciate you guys, you know, being authentic with sharing that. I know a lot of times, you know, it's not our first 
uh, tendency to, to share such things. So I do appreciate that. And I try not to turn down any interviews. I don't care how big or how small, like if I could talk shop with people and maybe talk little liberties, little police accountability, share maybe some of my perspectives and get some of yours, then we're both learning and right, we're both right. taken from each other. I, I, again, like I appreciate you guys giving me this respect. Um, I, I really don't want to be on a pedestal. Again, I'm just somebody out here. I'm not smarter than you know probably any of you guys. I'm, I'm just committed. And this is something I've been very dedicated to over the past 10 years now. And I think maybe that's what I have in my corner maybe more so than anything else is just that fire inside to keep going. And also just, you know, fuck you. You're not going to tell me that I can't say what I want to say and share the information that I want to share, you know, that, that in itself is, is, is inspirational in its own way, you know, and that's that things like that to keep us going. I guess, you know, and speaking of some police accountability and, I guess some current events and things like that. I know Bandit was we and him were talking prior got a to the hot show. Topic. He's got a hot topic that he was like, "Man, I want to bring this up." And I was like, "Let's just jump into it, bro." So, come on. What Let's is your it. What is your thoughts on the release of uh, Victor Boot <laughs> for Brittany Greer in Russia right now, and leaving behind um, the Marine that is has been in jail uh, in Russia now for five four or five years now. I think, um, you know, it, it's just the, the hypocrisy of the whole congratulatory, like bring her home. But at the same time, you have thousands of people currently in jail here in the United States for the same offense that she was jailed for in Russia. And you're giving them an international arms dealer, not just an international arms dealer. But a world, the most famous. Are you speaking on Paul? uh, Paul Whelan. Paul Whelan. The most famous arms dealer in the last 60 60 years. You know? Sure. Known arms dealer. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. Known arms dealer. Uh, My humorous side likes to say that the... uh, the reason he was jailed in the first place was that the U S doesn't like competition when it comes to arms deals, you know, (laughs) but what's even worse though, is that he calls for at the same time he does this, he releases an international arms dealer. He uh, calls for more gun control. Sure. Right. We're right. No, that's a great point. Not to mention, you know, they're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Um, a lot of that is, is millions of dollars worth of weapons and military equipment too, you know, so how can you call for gun control while you're the U S is the, the largest weapon supplier in the world, you know, so, uh, certainly contradictory, but can we expect anything less from the U S government at this point? Not really, you know, so, um, yeah, it's just buying votes, right? It's just uh, appealing to the constituency. And it's more of the same from the Biden administration. So I actually was just listening to Maj Ture, you know, before he came onto our podcast, he was doing a live. And he pointed out that a lot of people are mentioning that uh, it was a bad trade, right? Like this guy is terrible. A, right, right. International arms dealer. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of connotation behind that. Now, he broke it down. Maj kind of had an interesting take on it that, okay, this guy that we know of actually hasn't physically injured or killed anybody, right? He's just sold weapons. And if you're going to call somebody like that a war criminal, 
and to point the finger at them, then we'd probably have to also call Springfield, Glock, uh, all these weapons and gun companies in the U.S. also war criminals or criminals of some sort. So to me, I kind of would side with Maj in the sense that if there is a crime, there needs to be a victim, right? And if he hasn't personally done anything to injure anybody, hurt anybody, harm, kill, then the libertarian in me says, well, like, you know, let's be logically consistent here. Can we really call him that if he's just voluntarily trading arms with other countries or entities that want to, you know, I guess, purchase these types of uh, military equipment or, or weaponry or whatever. So uh, I think a lot of too, what the outrage from the right is, is that it's this woman who is, you know, she's spoken bad about the U S you know, uh, she's, uh, LGBT. She's maybe not the most attractive. She's really tall. She's at WNBA, which a lot of people have issues with already. So like, where is that negative assessment of Brittany Greer really like coming from? And like, that's something that we should probably analyze itself as well. So I think that there's probably multifaceted, like a bunch of different angles to look at this from, but Ultimately, like it's just again the Biden administration trying to appeal to you know their their consist- constituency. Well, I think you, you kind of hit the head there uh, by saying you're you're checking off all the boxes mm-hmm. to make sure it's a cookie cutter type of situation when the hypocrisy is astoundingly, overwhelmingly apparent on uh, on many parts of that. And, well, it's couched in the left right you know, and in the whole divide there. And I think think, it's, I think it's, yeah, I think you're right though. It's about how you feel and not about the facts, truth, or justice. It's about how making people feel a certain way. And that's sure. And that's right. 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 That's how the the dichotomy has really brought that in. But that's Uh, the same appeal to emotion and emotional manipulation that the mainstream media and and government's been using for decades, you know, it's just, I don't think people have really analyzed the situation enough to really be able to distinguish that yet because look, all the memes are coming out. Like it doesn't matter, you know, which side you're on, like everybody has an opinion on this, but again, it's kind of couched in the left, right divide. Whereas like, okay, maybe we should move past that and look a little bit deeper and also just call out the blatant hypocrisy that's, you know, right in front of us. I mean, that's what really, that's what really brought your entire movement to my attention is the, making people uh, be subjected or at least try to subject them to their personal responsibility, like I said, for their, for their poor choices in life that affected other people. And it's not enough and it's not happening. And that's really one thing that I appreciated in your work is that you don't care, but you're going to put out the information at, to the best of your ability that's honest and true and present it to people. And it's just, it falls, I think it falls on most of the sheeple. It just bounces off them because it's not from a talking, official talking mm-hmm. head. So I, I've noticed way more like uh, people waking up to this nonsense when it comes to That's topics true. like this right now. Um, that's about the only good thing I, I use Twitter for or social media for is to see the amount of people commenting uh, um, just about this nonsense. You know, and the because you've just over the last couple of years, you've you've seen more people waking up to this than ever before. And it 
you know, at times it does give you hope. And I think for all of us here, I mean, it, it kind of drives us to just continue what we're doing, knowing that it has some type of even just minimal effect, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And again, I'm, I'll stop re- referencing Maj, I promise. But um, that was something <laughs> it's, that, it's that relevant. we it's talked relevant. about as well. So like, if you think about when most of us got our first smartphone, it's probably when the first iPhone came out, somewhere around there, 2007, 2008. But you could go past that a little bit further to like when we first it's all started to really start using the internet, right? Which was probably around the 2000s mark or so, maybe a little bit before, a little bit after, depending on who you ask. So the fact that we've pushed and made this much progress in 20 years for the majority, maybe not the majority, but a good percentage, a large percentage of Americans to now be questioning the mainstream media, their manipulation tactics, the divide and conquer, all these things. I feel like, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is something that we should be positive about. We should be optimistic about because we've made so much progress in, in just 20 years. So on a long enough timeline, they're, the mainstream media, corporate media is going to continue to lose their credibility as they're doing. And as things like you know COVID come up or any type of these major world events, conspiracy theorists are going to do what they already know and already do, which is speak the truth and look at patterns, analyze patterns, recognize the writing on the wall, which some people still can't see. And look, we came out like what, 56 and O? Like we're batting 56 and O as conspiracy theorists right now, you know, after COVID. So, like, we have a lot of momentum on our side. And yeah, I think there's uh, a good cause to be optimistic about where this is going. Well, yeah, I'm not trying to Debbie Downer. I'm just saying that it it does tend to fall on deaf ears where it matters. Oh, sure. I think the majority. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to say that you were. I think, if anything, you were, you were exactly speaking to my point. So. The, um, yeah. you know, and there, you, you keep speaking about like the accountability and stuff, you know, that I guess that's always something that I've, I've really been inspired by, especially from policing the police itself. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's always been a page I've been hot to be on and hot to share on because I'm, I've always thought that they, the police themselves should be held, <clears throat> should be held to a higher standard than you and I, like they're the ones that are supposed to be out there having this government job and enforcing these things and stuff like that. Yet they're allowed to be out here treating people like they're animals on the farm that need to be wrangled up and dealt with as, as so. And, you know, I've seen you also speak up against things like the TIA, the TSA and, you know, other, other three letter, letter agencies and such like that. And that, I think that's, to me, that's a big part of accountability because these are the people that are out there enforcing all of this nonsense that these psychopaths in Washington are writing. So like the, the fact that there is so little accountability for these people because they're agents of the state, I guess, like, I mean, you know, that's, that's something that I've just, I've always had an issue with, you know, like they, I've watched them treat people, not only of people of color, but people, that look just like me and me and myself like absolute garbage. You know, you were talking about like protests and stuff like that. And if I could go through the times that my car has been asked to be searched and I've had to go through the whole scenario just to get to sit there and laugh at them. Like it, it, it's ridiculous to, to me from my perspective. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you inspired me to, you know, the things you shared and stuff like that inspired me to be the guy that I'm totally the guy that when I see 
three cop cars on the side of the road for one guy. I'm pulling over across the street and flipping my phone on and being like, Hey, what we got going on over here? Because this needs to be paid attention to, because these folks like, why is there three cops out here for this one guy? Like what's yeah, the point? The, in this the excessive situation? amount of force. Yeah. That could have just been a conversation. Exactly. You know, and, and because uh, I guess in a, in a real world, I, I would hope that somebody would do the same for me because uh, as we've learned here recently on the show from one of my co-hosts telling us that like, there's, there's things that cops are trained to look for. And one of those things, weirdly enough, is wearing a hat. You're wearing a hat while you're driving alone in the car. You're suspicious. That's a reason to pull you over. And it's just like that. I, I find that absolutely ridiculous. Like that, that that's just made up nonsense that somebody's given to, you know, given to somebody and they're just trying to be out there and doing their job. But, you know, there's daily, you know, I brought this up to the guys and then a recent episode or whatever since i think it was since november i think i got it off of your page but think since november being over a thousand people killed by police just in yeah. that short time alone and it's just yeah. like why yeah why yeah they're uh i mean that's it's on the lower end actually i mean their past few years it's been upwards of 1300 people um it depends on which source of course because there's several sources on this, but uh, according to Killed by Police, and I, I think they actually were bought by Mapping Police Violence. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And as you had mentioned, you know, police violence affects everybody. Okay, I, I know the left sometimes wants to frame it as just like a, a black-white issue, but it, it's really not. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're old, doesn't matter if you're white, black, you know, red, yellow, whatever. Doesn't matter your age. Uh, your your religious beliefs, it, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. It's uh, unfortunately one of the consequences to having a monopoly on law enforcement. And I think that's one thing that we really need to focus on as free-thinking libertarians whenever we talk about this subject, because ultimately it's a monopoly on force. It's a claimed monopoly on law and the initiation of violence. So if we could frame it like that, I think it's going to be much more powerful and it actually plants seeds in people's heads for them to realize that, hey, yeah, I guess I never really thought about it that way. Like, you know, any type of government, quote, service is a monopoly, but we've never really been taught to think of it that way because it's government providing the service. Have, have well, you? I mean, that's been, oh, sorry. I just, I just want to say that's been my personal experience that it is anytime you question their authority or disregard their authority, you are immediately less yeah. than human in that moment mm -hmm. they demand subservience that's mm -hmm. and yeah I, absolutely I'm just like i i pay your paycheck for you to protect us and enforce laws and you are enforcing your own set of rules on most people not even enforcing the law that's nine times they, out of ten they, they don't do even not, know the law they're enforcing exactly and that couldn't I, be I went to court i went yeah. to court for a ticket and the officer admitted in front of the judge he didn't know mm -hmm. and i was like okay you know that couldn't just, be any I didn't really i didn't really touch on that after that because i felt like i won at that point sure you know? but sure, I just, sure. it was aggravating because i was like you this is your literal job and you don't know what you're doing right like i i i shamed him in front of the judge and i i made sure to make that sting stick sure yeah so I, just, I mean you, you, you have you to did, you did help me in that area that I, you gave me the courage <laughs> to speak up in that moment, for sure. Like you and, and the others that work on that, on the police, the police project. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it made um, a difference just so you know, you need, you <laughs> need more training. 
to, to be a barber than a law enforcement officer. You know, right. I mean, that, that says it's something. Six weeks or less, sometimes depending on who is doing the training and what the state requirements are too. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes yeah. if they're understaffed, they graduate mm-hmm. them early. We yeah, have, wave it. We have billboards in Atlanta yep. down here in Georgia that, that brag about the two-week program and you can be on the beat and, as an Atlanta police officer. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Recruitment's also down as well. So they're getting even more Way desperate. Down. Yeah. I mean, it, it's across the board, even uh, military recruitment and everything. So, in some Good. ways, that might be another indicator that, again, the war on information, you know, this information exchange that we're engaged in, people like us are engaged in, is actually being effective. You know, good. So. I also think they tend to prune out their good apples because the good apples are going to do the right thing no matter what. Yeah, sure. the, the good apples are going to cross that what they refer to as the the blue wall of silence and turn their yeah. bad apples in. They don't want you know, that. Yeah, I, I, I have I have a I had kind of a question going along with this. You know, we're talking about like the state part of it, and I I recognize that the private the private prison system is very backdoor funded by the state through a lot of things like there's you know we actually had a a guest on recently that was a former inmate down here on what i call work prisons in the state of georgia because we're we're slammed full of them that you're just slave labor for the state working on roads building things working on farms and stuff like that like even even though it's a private prison you're still out there doing all these things for for whether it's the state or corporations even and it it makes me wonder though, like how much of these private prisons, the same people that are funding these private prisons, are also funneling money into these these police unions and such like that that are keeping them protected mm-hmm. to the extent that they are. Absolutely. The yeah, I mean that's absolutely happening, and that's the problem. You know, it, people want to uh, mix, I guess, the whole concept of the public private sector. And I I get it. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of negative connotation around private industry, uh, especially because of, uh, you know, Blackwater that people always want to point to that first and foremost as like being some type of militaristic arm of, you know, some type of corporation or something. So I, I know that there's a lot of fear surrounding this, but you also have to take into consideration that, these laws that fill these private prisons are written by government, right? So there's that type of collusion involved as well. And that's a big part of the problem because if we were to, let's say, voluntarily fund in our community some type of private firm for protection and security services, they're not going to be pulling over people for a broken taillight. They're not going to be pulling people over over suspicion of cannabis. You know what I mean? Like These are laws that are specifically... specifically assigned by the state and these law quote law enforcement officers are the people who are whether right or wrong whether that goes against their their own moral compass or not they're still enforcing these laws so we have to take a step back and also look at it from that point of view if uh we are going to say like that is the solution and in my opinion as a libertarian a voluntarist anarchist i believe that that's going to be the only feasible solution to this whole police brutality, police violence epidemic, because look, like we've been trying to beg and plea and protest for some type of legitimate reform through legislation for nearly 140 years now. Some of the very first protests, police brutality protests were in the 1880s, uh, the Haymarket riot and the ensuing protests afterward. So 
the idea that, you know, George Floyd dies, we're going to have these huge global protests and things are going to change. It's just short-sighted. And we can't continue to go down that path because even when they tell us that, yeah, they're going to write legislation, there's going to be some type of minuscule incremental reform, like let's say they write some legislation so police officers can't apply their knee to the pack of people's necks as they're being uh, arrested, right? Well, nine times out of 10, like those laws aren't going to pass. They're quietly going to be written off. They're not going to actually do anything. In fact, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, actually allocated $220 million that was supposed to be for COVID relief funds to their police department. And she was one of the biggest advocates for BLM and police reform. So the writing's on the wall, and we just have to be smart enough to, to acknowledge that if major corporations are on board pushing a narrative and pushing an agenda or a quote solution, it's probably not going to be in our best interest. Mm-hmm. We got to think outside of the scope of media, of government, uh, of these corporations. And to me, that answer is private protection and security services. And not to mention, we actually have a shining example in Detroit by the, man, by the name of uh, the Detroit Threat Management Protection uh, Agency, which is run by a guy named Dale Brown, who has at least 30 years now of experience helping his community. Um, I think he has over a thousand customers, clients, and not one of them over the 30 year period or his employees ever been harmed, injured, or arrested. So uh, that speaks volumes. That's a track record. Yeah, that's that's a phenomenal track record. It's a completely different it's a completely different mindset, right? They're thinking about how they can best protect people, how they can best de-escalate situations rather than escalating situations to be able to legally justify them. And then thinking about how you're going to get home to your family as a law enforcement officer, rather than the opposite of protecting these people that you're sworn to protect. So I think that's a big problem. That's big disconnect within police culture is that that's the way they're taught. If you can legally justify the use of force or fatal in uh, some type of a uh, fatal force or whatever, like you're, you could legally justify it and the police unions well, will be there right there to protect you. It's encouraged though. They won't admit to it directly, but it's encouraged in their training. Yeah. You're, you know, this, you follow this formula and nothing bad will happen to you. Yeah. Now, well, then you throw that. in QI yeah. too, you know, and then well, there's right. that. <clears throat> I guess it wasn't so much on like the, the, I guess the private security aspect of it. So like, I, I kind of know and understand the private security aspect. I've just, I guess from my experience, especially down here in the Southeast, I know Alabama has some similar issues and such too, but the, the private prisons and even the former prisoner that I had on here, the, he, 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 he even said, he would rather go sit in state than go sit in the private prison because, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find their loopholes because they're not under any kind of anything. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they'll treat people in such a manner that it's, it's quite, you know, just indisgusting and such locking them away sure. for multiple times, not feeding them, leaving them without, you know, water and stuff like that. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that a state regulated prison is either any better because I've seen some of the similar things going on over in Alabama in the state regulated prisons. But like, I guess, I guess what I've, what I've seen personally down here is we have a lot of old world prison going on down here. Like the movie life, that shit still happens in the state of Georgia. We have old work camps of dudes out here 
doing that kind of stuff like in and out in these southern these real southern parts where i'm at and such and it's it's to me it's always been a thing because it seems like they're always just trying to keep the prison filled because they get incentive from the state to keep their beds full and you know and they get even extra incentive from some from some of these you know big investors kind of like you were you made mention of like blackwater the guy we had on here he made made mention of somebody and it fleets me at the moment but like there seems to be some of these big huge investment firms that don't have humanity's best interest investing in a lot of these private prisons and i guess that to me that's where the problem is like I, i i like what you're saying though if it's more of the community investment into what you're going to do about being, you know, bringing safety and stuff. That's a, that's a whole different level and truly an answer to a lot of the problem. I, I believe, but like, did, I don't know. I, I just, I, I see the insane prison system we have currently with most of the population, you know, more population now in the prison system than, I mean, this sounds terrible, but we have, then we're, then we're truly we slaves at one point in time. Like We have it's, 4% of the world's population, but 20% of the world's prison population. Yes. Yeah. And that's in, like that's, what I made, like what I made mention of earlier, like we traded an international arms dealer for a, ask a WNBA star that was jailed for, uh, and, she would have been jailed here in the United States for the same thing. Depending on which state she went to. She yeah. come, Depending on which state. She, she come through my thousands. state, she'd have got it. Yeah, yeah thousands of people state. here. Yeah, yeah thousands of people general. here. And the vice president is is known throughout the legal world for jailing people of that yep, same skin color. Yeah, of that yeah. same skin color and holding them past the release dates based on the same thing she was jailed for in Russia. It's the, the, if people can't see what is really going on here, I mean, it's, it's what, what are your, what are your thoughts on this kind of crazy, no cash bail thing that they've got going on in a couple of these straight purge going to be purge in Chicago, (laughs) these purge cities (laughs) coming. Like it's, I, I'm curious. I don't really have a take on it, to be honest. I haven't really done enough. I think I've read something that that was happening, but I really oh. haven't. It's happening in Illinois. Okay. Uh, January 1st of 2023, they're uh, doing away with cash bail for mm. uh, not just like your lower offenses. I mean, assaulting a public official, second degree murder, assaulting a police officer, rape, uh, and like numerous other violent crimes. There's just going to be no cash bail. Like you can just, you're just going to walk free. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, some of these things, you know, if, if there is a victim, then that seems like a bad idea, right? Like that's just, uh, and again, I, I do consider myself an anarchist. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in laws. I, I certainly believe in laws uh, and a certain concept of order, I suppose, but something like this, I mean, yeah, it just sounds like it's stacking the decks in the favor of some type of I don't want to say chaos or whatnot, because even, you know, we've, we've seen these uh, straw man arguments largely from the right when, um, you know, when police departments get defunded that the crime spikes or whatever. But from my investigation, my research, that actually isn't the case. Um, in fact, violent crimes or crimes go down, not necessarily violent crimes, crimes go down because they can't continue to enforce a lot of the victimless crimes. So, um, and the, 
chances of an officer or police actually stopping a violent crime in action while it's happening is very low. It, it doesn't happen very common. It's not very common. It doesn't happen very frequently. So some of these things, again, we kind of have to unpack and really look at it from a logical, like objective point of view. Um, so in this case, again, not really being completely familiar with all the circumstances involved it, on the surface, it sounds like a bad idea. And I guess we'd have to ask like, why, what's the incentive for, for these, these states or these counties uh, to, to pass something like this? Like what does this some type of social justice thing? Like, is this being framed as like equality for, I don't know, the lower income minorities or something like, do, do you guys know where that's kind of like what the reasoning is behind it? I don't I think there's been a reasoning given. It's just that they're so overwhelmed, it would relieve them of the responsibility of, of these mm. people who commit crimes being run through the system. But I don't mean to be grossly negligent, but I'm I'm in full support because now it's public record. Now I know who they are and what they are alleged to have done. And it's open season on people that are repeat offenders, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't want to be morbid, but... I feel like maybe that is what we need. And, and to your point earlier, it's been over a hundred years trying to get reform. Let's just do away with the whole system, arm everybody and good luck. And that's been my take from the beginning. Like there is no fixing the system and they're just going to collect our money that they steal from us and they're going to do nothing. So let's just abolish it all. Uh, we can all be real cool with each other. And everybody gets, you know, you can arm yourself with whatever you want, as long as you're not going to, you know, nuke somebody, I think, to that point. <laughs> uh, no, that's kind of where I draw the line. It's, there's a long lasting effect from that. That's all. Sure. No, I get it. I mean, it, if that is truly the case here, and if the prisons and these jails and the system is just so overwhelmed that it seems kind of like a shortcut, right? Just to say, well, it well, we're does. getting rid of bail instead of actually like, looking at these these policies, these laws that are actually filling the prisons or filling exactly. the system with a bunch of arbitrary laws. So to me, I mean, that's- Or the repeat offender situation. Sure. And to your other point, I mean, I like that idea. I don't know if everybody's going to be on board, like especially my you know five foot lady friend who's you know down the street or whatever. Like I, I just, I think uh, the division of labor is a beautiful thing. And so I agree, like we can't necessarily reform this, but I also would- want to open up uh, protection and security services to competition and not necessarily have a monopoly. So yeah, if people like me in my community, I mean, look, I, I own a gun, but does that mean I'm going to want to patrol my neighborhood all day, every day? Like, well, no, I, I got other thing. things if, going on. If, if everybody so, is capable yeah. of defending themselves, do you sure. need to patrol? No, I, like, I understand that. And I agree. Right. And I, I certainly get yeah. that. But like, I guess the larger picture I'm trying to get at is like, I also think that we should be able to voluntarily fund these types of services. Okay. I'm not opposed to that at all. Sure, Voluntary, sure. No. Yeah. But to me, I think in that sense, like that would appeal to more people rather than just saying, well, like we don't have any laws. Here's a gun, like good luck, you know, like, <laughs> and I know that's not necessarily <laughs> argument. I was just kind of, you know, trying to uh, but it's, summarize I think, it. I think we're closer to that than most people realize. We're oh yeah. Now see, the private yeah. sector has shown time and time again, that they can do it better and more efficiently than the public sector. Oh, they're we fully incentivized to do so. Yeah, we have shown that. Service. We have shown yeah. that with uh, hospitals. We have shown that with schools. We have shown that with everything. And everybody, let's go with, you know, you, you, I'm not going to trash libertarians, but uh, 
the everybody uh, the, uh, it's no joke i mean people will honestly say well who's going to build the roads who's going to maintain the roads you don't think that a private company that uses those highways every single day to transport goods won't fund maintenance on the public road system or the highway system you're you're or, you're an idiot or that um, people wouldn't do a gofundme at the minimum i mean it's still look gonna at our, be a private company that fixes the road at the end of the look day look at our pub look at look at public anything look at the look at the pub the the condition of the public roads the bridges the the railway system uh the hospital schools is a good example sure. um and even coming back to law enforcement um if you call Wall Street, a police officer, yeah, if you call a road there, oh yeah, if you call more taxes, a, if you call a police officer, they're going to show up after the fact and just write a report on the crime that was committed. You know, you're you're paying for useless um, mm. services that have okay. that benefit like a very small portion of the population. Sure, well, and at that point, once you realize that, you realize it's a racket. You know, and oh, absolutely. And this authority that they, they give themselves is, is simply claimed. You know, I mean, we could go down that whole social something, contract rabbit hole as well. But um, something I've always, you know, something I've always felt is, you know, I, I guess I do. I clearly understand that there has to be some form of policing system, whether it's private, whether, you know, it's it's kind of a state thing or whatever. However, the way that it's done, they're they're. There will always be laws, even in an anarchist state. Sure. And, and I guess my biggest thing is I truly believe that there needs to be more, far, far more training. I know we said it earlier about not having any at all, but I mean, these guys, these guys it's, it's almost like a restaurant job. Let's be real. These guys are showed up, they're given an hourly rate, given a uniform and told how to do what they got to do and how they got to do it. And hey, we'll teach you the law later. And I've I've met quite a few in my lifetime that spent some a mixture of time a mixture of things you know there's been some that have been in there for 20 plus years that are just a dude that are that are actually out there working in his neighborhood and actually looking to protect everybody out there if he pulls you over for your tail light he's telling you that it's out and sending you on your way you know what I'm saying like he's not he's not trying to do anything harmful he's he's the Andy Griffith kind of guy but you're gonna run in again you're gonna run into that into yeah, or offer no. like, hey, for five bucks, I'll change it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I even, mean, like, if you're going to generate revenue, at least do something useful. That's oh, all. You know, we have, on a side note, we have a private, funded by State Farm thing out here on our interstate system that does exactly that. They'll rescue you with gas. They'll rescue you and change your tire. They all kinds of stuff right there on the side of the road if you need that help. And of course, that's privately funded. But, but um, that uh. But then you've but that's also a good got example. I think. It is though. It's a good it comparison. Is. But then you've also got you know in some of these small towns that guy that was completely just a, we we had a thing going on down here in Georgia that's not getting a lot of attention and I for one want to bring some attention to it because our local newspaper keeps trying to get stuff. Well, not mine. It's a couple counties over, but the local newspaper keeps trying to bring attention to it. And a young lady was pulled over for going over the white line at a red light. And it ended up leading to a strip search on the side of the road. Nothing was found. There was nothing else. But she was strip searched not only in front of the five male passengers inside of her car, but a butt ton of officers in this small ass little podunk town. And it all, again, resorted from she her front wheels went over the white line at the red light. And right. the DA of this town 
of this county group of counties, because she's over quite a few counties, said that, um, no, we don't need the GBI or any outside investigation. They were following their orders as what their job is supposed to do. They were, they were doing what they were told to do. That's how their job works. And there should be no further investigation into this. And like, they, they traumatize this poor girl and, and, and do a cavity search on the side of a Georgia road in the middle of the night. In plain view. In plain view of everybody. And like, I don't, I don't, and again, and come up with absolutely nothing and send her on her way. We've covered numerous stories like that, man. It's, yeah, it's 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 it's, tr- it's disgusting. It's absolutely, absolutely. disgusting. That it they, happens to men too. Uh, we've yes. covered several stories of men having a, a police officer's finger in their anus, um, and I mean something like that. It's traumatizing, right? I mean, of course, like you're being harassed, you're being held up, but even something like that has long-lasting effects. And it, yeah, of course, they investigate themselves, you know, yeah. and. We've covered numerous stories as well of rape kits being, you know, left behind and 10 years old, some of them even older. So, yeah, there's a huge incentive problem here for effective efficiency, for holding them accountable. And again, it kind of all just comes back to this monopoly issue. It's it's funny with this specific uh, this this specific police force that uh, is in this County, because it's not even the sheriff's department, it's the police force of this County, but they have been under scrutiny for about two or three years now with the same chief from Mm -hmm. this stuff going on to um, sexual assaults on with, within officers within the thing on top of an entire uh, evidence room being left unlocked and raided and everything taken out of it all in this one County and stuff. And it's just like, you know, even the people of this county are being like something needs to be done about this. But for some reason, this chief still keeps ending up being the police chief of this town. It's it's quite amazing, I think. Sexual misconduct and sexual abuse is the second most reported uh, crime by police. So, I mean, this is, you know, right behind uh, police violence, police brutality. This is a huge issue and it largely gets ignored by the media, especially when it comes to the children that they're either trafficking uh, they're, they're grooming. There's that a bunch of so many stories. I mean, they come out almost once a week of, you know, a, a sheriff or a deputy who's uh, even a, a child sex trafficking leader and, and leading the ring. I mean, this happens often, like very often. So it makes sense when you start to examine, like even the higher echelons of government, the whole like Epstein saga and everything that happened there, because it happens on the lower levels too. It happens in the military. It happens with police. And you have to also remember that some of these people, including one of my friends, former officer uh, for the Rampart unit, and he worked during the Watts riots in in the 90s, uh, Alex Salazar. I mean, he is fucked up in his head. He suffers from PTSD from that job. And you have to think about it because police culture is very insular, right? Like police hang out with other police officers. A lot of times their family. it It promotes that bond that they can't break when one of their own does something they shouldn't have. Sure. Right. So there's a lot of psychological trauma. There's a lot of psychological issues associated to this type of profession. And yeah, not only the pressure from the thin blue line, but maybe some of your colleagues are doing, engaging in some of the same activities and And you you, fear for your job or your life or it just becomes normalized and you think Mm -hmm. that's okay. And you just end up doing it. So a lot of these people are psychologically damaged. I know Alex has actually he's separated himself from law enforcement. He's become an activist now. 
we actually did a podcast with him. If any of your listeners want to check that out at thefreethoughtproject.com, it's a wonderful podcast with him. And I know several police officers who had to leave because either they're whistleblowers or they've had some type of issue within law enforcement and they literally either get pushed out or like they just can't take it anymore and they have to leave. Yeah. So my, um, my little brother was, uh, he's now a detective for cold cases in Atlanta, but he was a beat cop in a place called Forest Park, Georgia. And he found, it's a little seven mile strip town with not a whole lot going on, except for there's a big like truck farmer's market that comes in and out of there. And he ended up busting a cocaine ring that was led by sergeants of that police force. And it was enough that they ended up having to drive it. That's why he's now a cold case detective. You know, it's, he was, he is one of those good apples that was out there. He was like, wait, there's cops doing fucked up things and I'm going to put a stop yeah. to it. And they, he put a stop to it and now he ended up somewhere else. But, you know, I, I, I actually respect kind of what he does now a whole lot more than anything sure. else because that cold case detective stuff, he's looking on all those stuff that they gave up because they're just like, Oh, we, we can't figure it out. And he's already solved quite a few. And I think that that's an honorable thing because he's out there putting closure to somebody that lost a loved one for Lord knows what reason. And, and, you know, that's, I, 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 for one, have always been kind of the guy that's been like the, you know, the all cops are bad thing for sure. But like at the same time, when you get down in the nitty gritty of it, I've heard of, I've heard everybody mention it here tonight about the good apples. There are ones out there that have definitely tried to do the good thing. Like there's no lie there, but I think all of them that I've talked to have the similar story and have the thing like you're even talking about, you know, they either, they either have to move on and find something else to do, or they have to get out of law enforcement entirely because it, they'll get forced out of it or they'll get black sheep because they did, you know, out these officers for doing something that was inhumane or that they should be arrested for and such like that, because they hide behind the guise of this uniform and shiny badge and get to be like, well, I can, you know, I'm invincible. And, sure. I, and, yeah, that's, and I, I feel justified in saying there are no good apples and that's why they're weeded out. They leave or they become bad apples. That that is fair. my sincere opinion. Fair. fair. No, no, fair. You know, I mean for the most they they're you're you're absolutely right. You know, they, they don't get to they don't get to stick around their area and stuff like that. But that's that's how I think that's how you end up with the ones that we have and because again, I live in bum fucked. So like there's a whole lot of nothing around here. And you yeah, sure, and a couple of the counties, the closer you get where there's more people and stuff like that. It you can see the corruption and hear about it on the Facebook and then the news and stuff like that. But when you start getting down to these podunk areas with one red light and nothing else, if you're a red light if you're lucky, <clears throat> the the sheriff's probably the same dude that works at the coffee house on the weekend or some shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just that small of a town and everybody actually does know each other and they're not out there trying to generate revenue for that subject. In fact, they're doing the opposite because they want as little federal government intervention in that small town as plausible because they, you know, they don't want it out here in the sticks like that. They're so we're good being left alone. Where, where would be a good place to start? You know, if I could ask, where, where would be a good place to start? In your eyes, what would make, what would be the ideal form of like a, a police force of some kind? Even though, in my opinion, I, I personally don't think they should even exist. You know, sure. I, I don't think they should even exist. I don't have, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, Stephen, an armed society. 
okay, an armed hey, society. That's, that's one thing. I would say but the first at place this, to start, I don't know, they're maybe only break gl- the insulation. Right? Yep. Like, just th- make, show them, show them for what they up. really are. Like, a, they're glorified report writers. This is all they are. I don't well, make, think they, there the should public, be. Yeah, but make the public personal again. Have a but in reality, in reality, what what's yeah. what in your eyes? What would be the ideal police force? Well, let me just address a couple of things that Jim Bob said really quick. Um, as a libertarian, you know, like I want to view these people as individuals, right? I mean, yes, they're part of mm-hmm. a state-sponsored mechanism, which is you know involuntarily funded. I understand that, but I think we have to look at the intentions of each individual officer who's going in, and I think some of them do go in with a, a noble mindset. They, they actually do want to help their communities. They might be misguided. Um, they might be ignorant, but they're actually going in to try to help. It's the institution that is the problem. It's the institution that allows these types of injustices, this lack of accountability, um, you know, all the X, Y, and Z. I mean, we could go down the list, right? So I, I certainly agree that uh, you say it was your brother who is uh, working. Yeah. So that is much more noble than yeah extorting people on the side of the road at the same time though it, it is a monopoly and a monopoly as we've been saying over and over again doesn't presu- provide the best results right so there's actually a statistic that came up last year that police only solve two percent of all major crimes two percent you know so again like why do they exist why are they here now to answer your question bandit I don't know what that looks like. I honestly don't. I know that there's not a Rothbard button that we could just press and all of a sudden all police are going to be privatized and uh, everything's going to work out perfectly. One distinction that I think we have to at least acknowledge if we're going to be realistic about this is that are there going to be law enforcement officers that are voluntarily funded by some type of third party like firm or apparatus? And are those going to be the same people who are we're considering the protection and, and security services, you know, are those two entities the same? I don't really know. I don't, I could admit that at the end of the day, I don't really know how it's all going to play out. What I do know is that I think it's much more preferable to the situation that we have now, which, you know, again, we could beat a dead horse, but lack of incentives, uh, insular police culture, sky high prison rates, the largest prison population on the planet. So yeah, where, how, how do we get there? What is that road? What does that road look like? I don't really know. I'm not a legal expert. I do know that the monopoly on law enforcement and the law and the monopoly on, on justice in this country has upended our faith in the system. It's certainly uh, become a boondoggle for many people who, yeah, get caught with a plant in their, po- their pocket. Uh, they can't apply to certain jobs. So there has been a lot of consequences that have been associated to this monopoly on law and law enforcement. So in my opinion, anything that's a departure from that is going to be a move in the right direction. And ultimately, this is going to be something that's like a hive mind that who knows what these firms are going to come up with that's going to actually provide value to people's lives. Now, I think I had to put one thing, well, just one wish for one thing to happen with, you know, the monopoly that they have is in a realistic society. I mean, it's, we can all hope and, and and want, you know, one thing, but, you know, it's, I just don't see it happening soon, you know, eventually maybe, but 
accountability is probably the one thing everybody could agree on that we need the most sure. is accountability for your screw ups. Sure. And, and if get, you get, get caught, rid of it, yeah. if they get caught and they don't get you rehired by the next county. Yeah. Yeah. But in accountability, in the same, the same breath on the wrist, it gets so old so fast. They just yeah. give them slaps on the wrist. And I mean, half the time they place them on paid administrative leave. And then they just bring them right back anyway. After yeah, take it a vacation. No the yeah. silver lining, though, I, I would say is that this lack of accountability is making a lot of people realize just how corrupt and how unuseful and how there's very little value in this system. It's the just us system. It's not the justice system. You know, it's that's again, it's anybody who happens to be a government employee. You're going to have special privileges. There's different classes of people. And I think that's the problem. So in a way, it sucks. And if you get caught up in this system and your life gets upended because of it, I'm, I'm so sorry. But at the same time, this has grown into what it is. And I think it's actually becoming a catalyst for a lot of people to realize just how bad it is and actually take their own motivation to understand the solutions, how to fix it. I mean, Again, like we were talking about earlier, we've we've had the internet for 20 years now. That, that's not a long period of time, you know. So their narratives are going to go away. All the government school propaganda and indoctrination that you got, people are unlearning that. I mean, there's progress through unlearning, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And COVID was just another perfect catalyst for it. It was a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. They thought that they were going to, you know, gain that much more control, and to some extent, they have. At least in the legal land, you know, legal lease side of things. But According at the same time, success, yeah. it has woken up a whole bunch of people. I mean, there's movements now that were never even around before the 2020, the whole medical freedom movement. That's significant. I mean, there's a lot of people who have grown really big accounts. Uh, obviously, like RFK Jr., people like that are like really leading the charge. But I mean, that whole side of things in the freedom movement, these people are our allies. And they might not see eye to eye on every single exact. You know, maybe they're not, you know, trying to guard their poppy fields with AKs or whatever, but like at the same time that they get, you know, where we're coming from and they, they realize that there's some serious tyranny at hand here. It's not just happening in other countries. It's happening here at home. Oh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. You know, Boom. One, <clears throat> one more thing. It's like we keep bringing up like social media and uh, the internet. It's like, it's. Uh, I've said this constantly. It's like the sharpest double-edged sword available for use right now. It's like they use it against us, yeah. but then we can turn and use it against them. It, it's it works both ways. Absolutely, yeah. I think we might have been using it against them a little too efficiently for a period of time there. I mean, prior to Trump, when Trump got in, I think we were all surprised. Like, holy shit, he won? Like, are you kidding me? You know, I even had to delete like five or six memes I had made of Hillary. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, fuck, I guess I just wasted all that time. You know, but like, ultimately, there was a shift that happened after that. That woke up the establishment as well. And they realized like, holy shit, they're, they're doing it. Like, they're waking each other up. They're, there's a momentum being built here. And I would say me and my colleagues within the alt media space, we were starting to become the new media. I mean, we were, if you looked at I think you ABC, are. NBC, CNN, like a lot of these pages that were up, you know, 2016 and before you looked at their stats and they looked at our stats, we were destroying them. There were much more people yeah. that were hungry for our information. And instead they had and to reverse engineer that. Well, they still yeah. are, but they can't see it now. <clears throat> Even if they want to, they can't see it, you know? So 
it's become uh, you know big tech against us. But I still think in the long enough timeline, we're, we're going to win out on this. The good ideas, you know, you can't be stopped. They, they can't be stopped. Yep. And see the and see the thing is, it's what what separates us from the mainstream media is the mainstream media just regurgitates talking points, you know, straight across the board. You know, a, a lot of people have like it's like they they'll think they're doing something. But all they'll do is they'll just take a subject somebody's already talked about and just like regurgitate it to a group of people and think, oh, hey, I'm, I'm spreading the news. I'm spreading, sure. you know, whatever. And no, you we, we try to stay as r- original as possible, you know, with our own message. And, you know, it's it's working slowly. I mean, I didn't expect to like jump into this and you know, immediately wake up the next morning with thousands of people just going, oh my God, you're getting the message across. Good for you. I expected this to just take time, you know? Right. Slow burn. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it will. It it will. It will continue to take time. I mean, when I first got into this, everybody said, well, we're not going to see liberty in our lifetime, you know? So we're planting (laughs) the tree basically for future generations, you know? But like, there's a chance. I mean, there's a chance that things could start to shift that way. And well, hey. again, you know, that's what is happening right now. And this is the, probably the most important war that's being fought. I mean, of course, Russia, Ukraine, all that. I mean, there's real lives being lost, but the information war is the real battle right now that's happening. And again, like, I think not only are we winning, but like, we have a lot of momentum on our side. This is probably the most important thing that we can be doing because we don't have those information gatekeepers like we used to. Yeah, they're still there to a certain yeah. extent, but they're not yeah. there to the same extent that they used to be. Well, I think that's why your reach keeps uh, slipping because they don't want people to find you. Oh, yeah. It's harder and harder. And I, I think that's why you were destroyed initially and a lot of other people. You were bringing that ugly truth out and it's that the taste of that comfortable lie gets bitter. Sure. When, mm-hmm. that, when that ugly truth keeps coming out, it keeps coming out. It's like swinging a hammer. You're going to break that wall eventually. Yeah. I mean, it might take a while or it might not, but it's just definitely... Uh, don't give up. People tell me, oh, not in our lifetime. Like, well, not with that attitude. So let's no. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and think about think about somebody like Ron Paul, who's been doing this for 40 years and yeah. was like slandered and smeared on like, you know, these talk shows and stuff, you know, yeah. and he's he's never for wavered. He's, st- he's still at it, still speaking the truth. To, and maybe at one point he was talking to like 400 people before the internet, you know, but he kept going. Yeah. He kept going. He kept swinging that hammer. Absolutely. Right. And, and now he's the goat, you know, like that's why if we can, people, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, but if we can just save one person, if we could just reach one person that was asleep and wake them up to the truth, I will, I'll be satisfied. That's that, you know, that's kind of a goal we have. Like that's since we set out doing these, these podcasts and, you know, offered all kinds of different information. A lot of us just open conversation like this. We tend to try to keep up with what's going on during the week or whatever the guest comes on with, but like, there's it just one person like he's saying you know if if our episode whatever we covered that episode touched that one person out there cool i don't care how many views it gets i don't care if it gets one view but if it's that one view that that person enjoyed it like that's that's the only reason i keep doing it you know i've been i've been most recently i had my uh i had a tiktok i was skating by for like three years without being bothered and it was sitting at about 140,000 followers for about the past year and a half. Oh, wow. And Thanks, man. It, 
And I woke up the other at, right before all the big voting happened and everybody started voting. I was, I, in a roundabout way, I was just saying that voting is like slavery with extra steps. And I woke up and my account was gone. I had to start all over again. And I was just like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, are you upset? And I'm just like, no. They're like, why? I was like, if you knew how many times that I had to do this on other platforms, like it, it's kind of like I already had it ready and wait. I know it's going to happen. I, I just kind of roll with the punches. That's how I've, when it comes to like the content that I make and stuff, I've always saved myself an extra copy so that I can re-release it or whatever and stuff like that, because I know things are going to get deleted. I know I'm going to be censored. I, I hate it. I'm not encouraging that they continue to censor me. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, it's amazing to see the links they will go to, to shut you up for pointing out, pointing it out, like whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, think about how long tabloids existed for years and years before the internet. I mean, remember you go to, I mean, I guess maybe some grocery still grocery stores still, you go and you see them at the, you know, the front to check out, but like nobody cared about misinformation or or fake news back then. I mean, for years, I've been talking about bat boy UFO and, you know, of course we have all our opinions about UFOs or whatever, but, but now all of a sudden it's a big issue because we're starting to dissect the lies that we've been told our entire lives. And it's, you know, if they wouldn't censor us, if we were wrong. I'd like to point out they're still there. They still exist. They do. That printed media still exists. It's not in quantity like it used to be, but it still exists and has had zero fact checking still to this day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could see my hat here. I'm I'm a meme war veteran. uh, (laughs) uh, We all are for sure. I like like how worn out it is. It's like it it wears your your (laughs) trauma from the fight. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No kidding, man. But it is is the meme. I've, I've said this a lot on episodes and I say this a lot in real life. I think the meme is one of the most powerful pieces of anything that was ever created because you do so much with such a tiny thing and back to, you know, like touched on things again, the way you were saying with the internet, it all moves so fast. Why do you think like COVID finally fell apart? Why do you think the war in Ukraine isn't catching ground very well, you know, and stuff like that because the internet moves so fast and there's so many people talking to other people in such a quick manner that they can't continue to pass their nonsense without, without getting called on it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sure. We're, we're probably the front line of calling it on there. You know, I, I, I'm sure you've seen where all the Twitter files were coming out and you're probably along the same lines as I was. I was like, Hey, I lost an account for saying that exact same thing, but okay, cool. Like it's it's stuff we've already (laughs) known. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's at least it's getting out there. But it is getting out there, yes. It sucks for the people who lost along the way to do the same thing. But at sure. the same time, it is getting out there, and that's important. So. No, that, that I, I agree with the the the. It, it's getting out there. That's important, Stephen. Me and you were talking about it before we even started the show. That there's a running joke kind of with me that I one of my TikTok videos is the most stolen sound in all of TikTok. People have. The, the original video itself only ever, only ever, and Steven's going to laugh again, but the original video itself only ever got 900,000 views, but people were constantly stealing it and the videos they were making with stealing it were getting five, 10, 50 million views. And everybody's like, well, whose voice is this? And when they'd come back and find the weird guy in the pirate hat with the, with the rainbow um, Confederate flag with an igloo on it, they were like, holy crap, what did I find? And it, you know, it just took a lot of time of talking to people. I, you had said earlier, I guess, about not 
ever being a big, big into the whole face thing when you first started or, you know, not, you know, I wasn't either, but I, when I found that I put my face out there, I found a whole different world of things. Like the TikTok world really showed me something different. Like it, when I first jumped on there, it was still the wild west. It reminded me of the nineties internet because people were on there just sure. talking, talking about any and everything. You'd be surprised at the things you'd hear. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And you would, I watched it kind of transform, but the, the biggest take back for me with that was being on Facebook, being on Twitter and constantly arguing with bots or, you know, just, walnut brained people that had an MSN train of thought to people that were genuinely interested over there on TikTok and what mm -hmm. I had to say and genuinely right. wanted to learn and, and listen and hear and, and stuff like that. And I, I, a lot of that happened because of the COVID thing, but I think that it's beautiful to see so many voices at it. You know, I've, I've been at it, pushing at it 20 years myself too. And it's just, I've, I've gone from, it was, they were calling me Captain Conspiracy to make fun of me to I've embraced it. And this is just the person that I am and I'm proud of it. And I'm glad that I've been trying to wake people up. I'm never going to stop trying to wake people up regardless of if it's a thousand people left or one person left. I think it's important to show all of this kind of stuff to people. Sure. And I'm sure you have the documents like Alex Jones too, right? So you're, no, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I got the documents right here. When we, when, when we share episodes, I, I tend to, you know, I pulled up a few things this episode, but a lot of times sure. we're talking about things or whatever I pull up during episodes and stuff like that. I'd make sure I share the information with it. And I'm, it, even though, you know, people give me flack for doing this, I will be the first person to go find you a PDF copy of whatever book we're talking about and sure. share it, share it with the episode so that you can, you know, I'm going to put the information there for you. It's to me, it's up to you to take the initiative to go any further with it. I'm not going to do your homework for you, but I'm going to be like, yep. here you go. You want, you asked for where I'm getting my information from. Well, this is where I got it from. So sure. It, now it falls on you. <laughs> That's uh, my, my Twitter bio line is uh, planting seeds by any means necessary, you know? And I think that's kind of our job right now because we can't force the red pill down people's throat, right? right. We just look for those opportunities to throw a little factoid or a little bit of information, a different perspective at people, plant that seed. Maybe a week later, they'll think on it. What, wait, well, what do you mean by yeah. that? And they'll grow that tree of knowledge themselves if they want to, if they have integrity, right? And that's, right. You know, that's very far and few between these days, but we're doing our job. Well, I think we, that's we will touch on... Too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll touch on all kinds of subjects, you know, and to bring in that wide audience, we'll talk on gardening, raising animals, off-grid living. We'll talk about Bigfoot, UFOs, um, spiritual medians, um, you know, ancient mysteries. We'll talk to, we've got. I had a guy that, I had a guy that punched uh, Buzz Aldrin in the face or they yeah. got, pun they got you know? punched by Buzz yeah. Aldrin in the face. And Come see, on the here thing and is, talk to us. Like, we'll bring, we'll bring this diverse crowd in. And then at the same time, we'll, we'll hit him with the, uh, the old anarchy spiel. And we'll, we'll try and reach that wide audience that have these applicable skills, you know? Sure. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. I mean, yeah. every, each of us bring a certain skill set to the table, you know, and, you know, people give libertarians a hard time because we have, you know, there's literally thousands of podcasts, you know, that are hosted by libertarians. Like, good. That's a good thing. You know, like, why yeah. are we bashing that? Why are we criticizing that? Yeah. Like, if they reach 10 people, they reach 100 people, 10,000 people, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Each of us are doing our job, whether you're writing a song that's planting seeds or your poetry or you're making a movie or documentary, whatever, like we all have our place in this. So I very much uh, appreciate all the work that you guys are doing as well. It sounds like you guys have been at it for a long time together and at your own individual capacity. So. This memes, it's, it's memes brought us together. You know, memes brought all of us together. We were, sure. I, I had my page. How? He was with pages. Some of the other guys that we were, that are in our group and stuff, they were with pages and like, we formed together and formed a big, massive group page, and then six one, years now. Yeah, and Has then it been five, five or six years. Like two years, wow. ag- two years ago, Josh Reed over at the Red Pill Project picked me up and was like, "Hey, come do the Saturday night show with me." Um, it's called Makes You Think, where we just cover fringy conspiracy stuff. But and I was like, sure. And after doing it with him for so long, he kept asking me if I wanted my own show on his network, and I was like no i think i need to make my own like i and and i've always kind of run with the pirate moniker you know everybody's libertarian or anarchist and stuff like that and i was just like no man pirates are the freest individuals on the face of the planet and (laughs) answer to no one so that's just kind of you know the, the route that i'd like to go with it and we you're right though about all of us doing our little parts you know and I like having such the variety of people because I've found that if I can bring you in with one of these random once off episodes, you know, I've, I've, I had a guy on here that talked to Bigfoot. People were interested in that. Maybe people that sure. wouldn't be interested in the Liberty movement, but they're going to come over here and check it out and be like, well, what else does this guy have to offer? And I sure. think that's a good way to do it because I'm trying, that was my main goal has always been my main goal is to show people that we have more alike than we have different. Like there's, at the end of the day, we are all so much more identical than any of us will ever admit. And that's what matters. Sure. And it, even if we do disagree, we can do it civilly and, and we can learn from each other and our differences as well. And that's, that's one thing that right. pushed me to enjoy the show the most. Listen, there's a couple yeah. people that we've had that I know you'll disagree with. That band that speaks of that's, yeah. okay. that's, that's my point. That's the best part. They can disagree with me all they want. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. But you know, I, this this I've I've had a great time with you this evening, sir. I do greatly appreciate you coming on and joining us. And you know, of course, I'm going to make sure I share all the free thought projects links and the policing the police links uh, where wherever you still got sites and stuff. Of course, I've got most of them pulled up now in my background, but I try to make sure that we share the links so that people can get back and show the love and stuff like that, because appreciate that. it's, it's, it's about, it's about showing each other to each other and showing each other that we are a bigger community, regardless of yeah. if we're spread all over the world, we're a bigger community than you realize. And this is that whole silent majority. I think finally coming together in a way that is a lot more powerful than people understand like the the internet is that very powerful double-edged sword so i i always like to go around the table and ask if there's any last thoughts before we leave so sir is there anything good you got for us before we get ready to sign out tonight oh me sorry yeah you, <laughs> i was like what what name did he just say uh yeah. sir, i just said sir i apologize man i'm, 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 I'm from the One, south two, three, so i go it. into the <laughs> I, I go into the manners and such automatically i appreciate it man no i appreciate it no i would say just um you know, if I'm going to plug a few things, come over to the www.thefreethoughtproject.com. Uh, at the top there, you'll see a tab for our podcasts. Otherwise, we put out two to three articles every day, a new podcast every week. Um, if you feel so obliged, there's a subscription feature there to sign up. We certainly use all the support and help we could get. Um, otherwise, just uh, follow me 
on the free thought project uh or excuse me yeah, yeah we have the free thought project twitter but you can follow me individually at uh, jason bassler one on twitter jason.e.bassler at instagram those are probably like my two biggest accounts i'm on all the alt media social platforms as well but like you know they're smaller they don't get as much traction but i'm on minds i'm on me i'm on telegram i'm on float i'm on gab i'm on mastodon pretty much all of them so just type my name in and you could find my work but otherwise, yeah, it was awesome getting to talk with you guys. And I would uh, love to uh, do it again sometime in the future. Yes, sir. And, we'll, and like I said, when I was telling you earlier in the thing, we've got a handful of other co-hosts that would probably love to meet you as well. There's a, there's a, what, what of our, one of our guys that I wish was here tonight. I think you would have had some good conversation with is uh, Luis. And I, that's one I would definitely like to get you back on to have a conversation with just cause that's a, that's a beautiful mind and a whole nother level to, uh, <laughs> That we could go sure. on about. Steven, you got anything good for me tonight, bud? Uh, just I uh, appreciate the website for sure because when you guys lost everything on Facebook, that was kind of like, where do they go now? And uh, I just keep on going. I'm going to keep sharing the memes and the stories. I got three days left on my ninth 30-day ban for this year. Uh, <laughs> but yes, but when I'm on, it's on. Like I, I save things. I pull things back. I, I know where things are. I bookmark them. And I always make sure to bring that out so people can keep seeing it. If you uh, keep doing it, if you happen to follow Stephen on Facebook um, and you get to missing him when he's on ban, he totally hangs out on the unconstitutional awakening social that we created on our website and post over there too. So you can always get some good memes from them there. Yeah. I try anyway. I just, you know, sometimes I get busy too. So there's, there's still like a little lag sometimes coming through. So understand bandit. You got anything good for me tonight, buddy? Nah, man, I'm just, you know, it's good to have, it's, it's good to associate with, you know, like-minded individuals, you know, you know, even if there are some subjects that, you know, we, we agree to disagree. It's good to have somebody that is, that, that's in the Liberty movement that's doing, you know, what we're doing, but on a larger scale, you know? Absolutely. It's good. If you don't, if you don't mind me asking bandit, like, um, I know earlier you mentioned that you weren't going to bash libertarians too much. Like, where do you, like, what do you identify <laughs> um, as? Like, are you, I'm, I'm an anarchist, like an anarchist, right? I'm right. An anarchist. So, yeah. I was a libertarian Same. for, uh, like, uh, uh, five or six months. Um, okay. I, I was a, before thing. that, I, yeah, I was a, I was a Republican before that for my, uh, adult li- early adult life um and uh I-, I moved on in a few months because i was you know I, d- I i really don't i it's it's one party is in my view I, it's kind of harsh but one party is the same as the other i i, I it's, it's a absolutely yeah it, it is so gotcha i said i could kind of sense that i just always it, I, yeah go ahead it's it's uh uh, I I can associate more with libertarians than any of the other left or right. You know, we we sure. can agree to disagree on more subjects than left or right. You know, but, and historically, there's you know various schools of anarchism as well that tend to lean left. So I always just kind of preface that I'm a libertarian anarchist, just so people kind of understand the school of thought I'm coming from. You know, and uh, just roll with anarchy. It throws them <laughs> off. It's it's like the it five does. tone train whistle. They don't like, see it coming. It's great. It's true. Well, it, it can be a turnoff to people too. You know, it is a bit of a mm-hmm. dog whistle. And there's a stigma. There's a stigma associated yeah. with it. You know, because sure. not many people know what anarchism really is all about. Um, so I can see, like, 
if you're trying to if you're reaching a broad audience to associate with libertarianism and be an anarchist at heart because they'll take that libertarianism at you know face value before they'll anarchist piracy um, is why that's why i use the answer of piracy because you know on a technicality pirate pirates would be very libertarian yet also very anarchist at the same time so yeah 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 i mean i don't know i i found it to not be as fearful of a word compared to the a word because anarchist is such a scary word you know people just automatically hear that it word is. and automatically go oh you just want chaos without even giving you a chance to explain <laughs> but when yep. you walk up to well, them when you walk up to them in knee-high socks and cowboy boots with a pirate hat on and go, do you want to talk about being a pirate? They're like, hey, wait a minute. What's this dude talking about? <laughs> yeah, so, there you go. Let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ox, you got anything good for me, buddy? You've been kind of quiet, but I'm so glad you joined me tonight. We've missed you around here, buddy. Really glad to be here. The conversation has been excellent, and I've just kind of wanted to let it flow. Uh, I really, really appreciate uh, a lot of the topics that we touched on today. And uh, I guess to talk a little bit more about the libertarian versus anarchist kind of uh, dichotomy there, uh, it's kind of harder out near me. So I'm in Southern California, for all those who don't know. California. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a goddamn nightmare telling people you believe anything <laughs> they don't. You know, I mean, so, so when you say, like, they're like, oh, you're like a libertarian, which is like code word out here for stupid person I don't agree with. And like, you have to be like, well, no, I just kind of want everyone to leave each other alone. And they're like, oh, you're like the good kind, like the old kind. I'm like, no, I'm not like, I don't believe in any sort of state, you know, like I, I guess I believe in some sort of order, but there doesn't need to be an existing like king of the roost kind of, you know, and it's hard to explain that in so many ways. Yeah, so that's how I say it. it's, it's agreed upon constructs that we, that doesn't need enforcement. That's kind yeah, of I mean, there, there's a way to interact with people regardless and just do it respectfully and everyone's all good. We all Volunteer, Volunteerism. Uh, you know, yeah. it's easier to explain anarchy to people that are unfamiliar with the whole aspect of it. It's like volunteerism. That's what I was about to say, actually. Like, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a, a wide way to sidestep it. But then, of course, they're like, so you volunteer? Like, what does that mean? You, know? <laughs> so, like, yeah. you kind of get that other extreme. But, okay, um, but but you guys haven't even brought up the part of the conversation where they introduced the roads argument. Oh, we did. We did. Who's going to build the roads? Yeah. Oh, what I'm saying is at this point, right? When you tell oh, someone yeah, that yeah. you don't believe in a government, right? Yeah. They'll go, I, well, who will, be, who will build the roads? Well, people are I bad see. at interacting with companies, so the government yeah. does it for them. But Domino's. Domino's so. will build the roads. They already started. <laughs> they'll build the shit out of the roads. That's they'll right. absolutely build better roads than the ones we have. They'll fill, po nope. they'll fill potholes. Well played, Jim Bob. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a few months back, so good memory on that one. It was. I, you know, actually, I remember when I, I'm Domino's holds a place in my heart just because they, <laughs> they, we, we got a history aside from the, the, the delicious food sometimes, depending on who makes it. But uh, yeah. they, uh, they, I was actually delivering pizzas because I like to do it during Christmas time for some extra cash. And I was delivering pizzas when they first started that movement of doing the potholes in the roads. And I was just like, well, hot damn, here's everybody's answer. If they want to ever ask me again, I'm just going to tell them <laughs> Domino's. Domino's is going to build the roads, bro. Like, let them do it because they want the pizza to get there on time. Because boy, do they hate that damn phone call of, hey, man, my pizza's messed up. Sure. So yeah, 
There, that's truly a good answer, though. It really is. And again, I think this has been a fantabulous night. I appreciate all the fellows that come on and join me tonight. And I appreciate you, Jason, coming and joining us. I couldn't have asked for a better evening. You guys know that I'll share all those links to get back to Jason. And you guys can find all our links over there at unconstitutionalawakening.com, your home for everything Unconstitutional Awakening the podcast. And you guys know I got to leave you with something good before we get out for the evening. So what's the difference between an informal dinner event and a pirate having sex? One, you come as you are. The other, you are as you come. You guys have a fantastic (laughs) evening.